Hey everyone, you are listening to the Self-Awareness Journey Podcast. This little banter is about a car ride long and features your hosts, JJ Parker and Melissa Albers. JJ owns a tech company and Melissa has been a coach working with influencers for the last 18 years. Well, hello everybody. I'm super excited for us today because we have a special guest. This is our second official guest in our pod. So <laughs> Kevin and I met um, a few weeks back in a networking kind of environment and we just hit it off and we, we started to have some really great conversations that are not like your typical networking, right? Like we started talking about life and we started talking about all sorts of really deep things. And Kevin had a huge life-changing event for him in his life. And it's so impactful the way that he talked about it that I asked if he'd be willing to come and talk with us today. So Kevin, welcome. Welcome, Kevin. Hello. (laughs) Glad to be here. I I, I can give you some sense of what that looks like or or how we got here. But uh, when Melissa and I first met, what was what drew me to her was that she had a knack for what I'll call bringing personal life into her work. And I had an experience in my late 30s, which I'm now in my mid 50s, which I got diagnosed with a pretty serious form of cancer. And what that event did for me in a very positive way was made me think hard about, well, okay, I'm going through some amazing things right now, mostly amazingly difficult, but of course that's when you learn the most about life is when you're challenged to the nth degree. Yeah. And so at at that point, I was drawn to learn more about what Melissa was doing in general and her work. I was trying to figure out how to combine my experiences in my own life with my work have reached a point in my career that probably on money is not the driving force. So what is the driving force and what is the driving force has, has been the same ever since I was diagnosed with cancer in my late thirties. And so that's, that's where the discussion started. Yeah. And, and oddly, um, I've mentioned a couple of times on uh, other podcasts that my dad was also diagnosed with cancer, and it was the exact same kind of cancer that you had, which was so um, strange, right? That's just so unusual. Yeah. And then yeah. just our conversation that unfolded from that was so meaningful because I remember you specifically saying, my wife keeps telling me I need to bring in more of my real stuff into my work stuff, which is also obviously real, but very a very yeah. different part of you. And you were really in that dialogue with yourself about how do I do that? Yep. And and I and I can all right, so that's gonna take me down a totally different route than what <laughs> the three of us have talked before. But this will give you an idea of why not only when I first heard you talk, Melissa, I was drawn to it, but you said that about your dad. Yeah. So I was probably four years into having cancer. I was diagnosed, had uh, huge doses of of, uh, chemotherapy to try to get it into remission over a six-month period. Odds of survival the first time around were somewhere around 40%, which means 
60% you don't survive, you know, depending on glasses half full or glasses half empty, which day. Exactly. <laughs> uh, the cancer then came back a year and a half later, and I had to go down the path of what was somewhat experimental treatment for the same disease you talked about with your dad, and which was a bone marrow transplant. And nine months later, I was still on the way down, not on the way up of recovery. And so I reached out to somebody, I reached out on the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society and posted on their site, I've had this brand of cancer, which is very unusual, AML, to have that brand of cancer as a late 30 year old. I have had a, had, uh, chemotherapy as a first form of treatment, and then I had a bone marrow transplant nine months ago, and I'm personally incredibly struggling. Can anybody have anything even close to that to support me? Hmm. And after a couple other things that happened coincidentally within that next two weeks, when I had hit total rock bottom nine months after my bone marrow transplant, I got an email from somebody in London who was two years younger than I was, was diagnosed originally with AML within a month of when I was, had the same treatment as I did, relapsed at the same time I did, and had a bone marrow transplant within one day of when I did. Wow. So, you know, when, when I heard you say, well, your dad... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Of course, my ears perked up. I mean, oh. I I could not have imagined being at a lower place in my life and found somebody to help me. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah. I mean, Justine and I exchanged emails for every day for probably six months. Mm-hmm. We talked on the phone from London to here. And I went and met her uh, probably two years or three years after my, my, you know, I was feeling okay to go do that. Yeah, yeah. And so when, when I hear of things or come across things that I say, hmm, there's something there. I don't know what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I follow it. You know, you talk about, talk about self-awareness talk about i don't know what that is you know are you aware of what's around you are you mm-hmm. listening to the world to speak to you in some way are you yeah i think you know, you certainly it, it, at my experience at the family level is when you do have some sort of illness that can be terminal certainly is long term um i think you do change your perspective you know and you talk yeah. about kevin how your life was very much geared around work. Oh yeah. Um, very and big work. Like you you do big yeah. things. You're not just little yeah. things, you do really big things. Yeah. And and the perspective that shifted for you, I, I know um JJ has some questions about that too, I think that he wanted to ask you about, but that is such a um impactful time. And I think so many people find themselves here and nobody's planning for that. Nobody yeah. plans for that. Yeah. Yeah. One thing you said that was really interesting was that you found this other person on the other side of the planet that had a similar experience as you had, as you were having, right? 
Right. How did how did that how did that connection? How did finding that out make you feel? Like when you found <laughs> that, I mean, was that like? Oh, I, I used to describe my disease after I was in it for, you know, at that point I'm in it for three or four years. I mean, I'd been diagnosed. Oh. I'd gone through chemotherapy for six months. I I had quote unquote recovered, which, you know, you're not after six, you're physically recovered, but you're emotionally not recovered. I got re-diagnosed. And so you think you're making progress forward. You go all the way back. And then I went into the hospital for 30 days to get my bone marrow transplant. When I got out, I had to live close to the hospital because I had to go there every day. I had to check back into the hospital after being out for 10 days. I went back in for another week because I had such significant problems with my bone marrow transplant. Uh, To go another six months losing weight, throwing up almost every day. It's safe to say you feel like I used to describe, I feel like I'm alone on Mars. I mean, nobody can relate to this. I mean... I'm married. My wife can kind of relate, but she can't And our good or bad. Our marriage wasn't great before I got diagnosed. I've got three kids that are under six. None of them can relate. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is in their mid-30s. All my friends, they have little kids. They've kind of fallen by the wayside, just yeah. not because they don't care. They just don't have time. Yeah. So yeah. so what does that feel like to, to be on Mars and find some, my God, not only is there somebody else here, but they're on the exact same path. Mm. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, I couldn't even believe it. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that had to have been like really powerful. I mean, for you, right? It's just like this. Uh, we talk about the need for connection and wanting to connect with other people. And that's, that is amazing. You're feeling that you were completely alone and you you did find someone else to connect with that is to me it's like uh, um, an amazing story of the power of the internet and the connected world right yeah Yeah. oh yeah Um, yeah so during this whole time you were were you working or attempting to work uh when i was initially diagnosed i couldn't i was out of work for six months and then i worked you know worked my way back up to full time but then when i had my was re-diagnosed in may i don't think it went back to work for over probably about a year. How, how did you deal with that? I mean, I'm, you're a driven entrepreneur and you had that event, right? How, how did that affect like me, you know, for some of us, a lot of times our work feels <laughs> like a value, you. right? Yeah. It defines us or feels like the value we provide. How did you work through that transition? Uh, we're, we're talking about self-awareness here. In any way, this is like, a, a, you know, never being in the spot you're obviously you've gone through. Very few people have just this idea of, of how, how did you feel about work during that time? Were you just like, screw it, I'm out or were you still trying to participate? Like, how did you deal with that? My work was my self-awareness journey. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't care about work. What what became painfully apparent in a near-death experience 
is that work does not matter at all. Mm. And, and I, I'm not even sure I would say survival mattered. Hmm. Why am I here mattered. Mm -hmm. What am I going to do if I did? what matters to me not today but if i do survive what what does what matters hmm. i knew that if i knew my son was 6 years old and i knew when he turned 15 i was going to play golf with him at pebble beach i didn't even know the logistics of doing that i had no idea he and i drove down the fair first fairway at trouble beach on his 15th birthday that's great wow so, so there were, so that so I could, you know, during work didn't matter. Yeah. It, it it is. It went from being everything to just not even on the radar. Yeah, and like we talked about originally, well, that's what drew me here. I've been struggling with getting meaning out of work, given my talents to do some pretty impressive things financially and from a business perspective. Right. And so it's great. And, and I, I, I'm, I hate to sound, I don't want to sound arrogant in this. I'm gifted financially. I bought my first share of stock when I was 11. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it came so naturally the financial world. Hmm. I, I, I can't even describe it. You know, I had I had a a pretty senior person at a, at the brokerage firm where I was working at stopped me when I was thirty and said, "Kevin, you need to go have children. You know everything there is to know about a brokerage firm, and you just need to get some experience now because you know every nook and cranny." And I was doing periodic reports to the board of directors when I was in my, you know, 30, 31 years old. Yeah. That, that's why I really like your story because, um, at the beginning of our conversation, you didn't really talk about what you did for a living, but you've had great success professionally and you are very confident in your skills that way. You know what you and I talked about this deep and rich analytical and operational mindset, um, and, and, how you've leveraged that your whole career, and then you all of a sudden become sick. And so for you to be talking like you are now, that there was such a flip is dramatic. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think a lot of us would say that, oh, if we pictured ourselves like that, we would you know, say these same kinds of things in theory. We'd say, well, of course, work doesn't matter anymore. But the real life story of having such rich work experience and then suddenly just saying, I don't even, it's not even on my radar is really dramatic. Yeah. Oh yeah. This idea of why I love, I love, there's a, there's a, uh, famous, uh, Ted talk, turn it a book, um, from Simon Sinek, which is start with why it's like a businessy oriented yeah. book. Right. Um, but when people, start to explore like their own why like why yeah. why do i exist <laughs> it's a really hard exercise um i know when i've tried to, to to figure out what like what is my why it's really it's really hard i spent a lot of time trying to figure it out i don't know that i 
know it yet now. I don't think I could say it to you guys. Um, so unfortunately, you had to have this like big life event to get yourself to start thinking about like your why. Yeah. So uh, how can other people get to a spot where they don't have to go through such a big event to start thinking about this? Like, how, how did you, like, what, what were the first, <laughs> like, where did you, where's, where's your entry point to figuring this out? <laughs> did you start with a spreadsheet? I hope it was a spreadsheet. There's either a spreadsheet in there or you just have to get a big needle and rather than a COVID vaccine, you'd inject them with something so they start thinking about why. <laughs> right. An abacus. They're all out there with an abacus. <laughs> If I if I had the solution to that, I, I can't I even imagine yeah. what I'd do with it. Yeah, you wouldn't be on our little podcast. You'd yeah. be on something way bigger. <laughs> I mean, it, let me give you a sense for you know what goes through my head when you say something like that. Well, first of all, if you took you know if you lined up five people or ten people and you said, okay, you've now got a really serious form of cancer. Or, or whatever, you know, some yeah. major problem and divided those 10 people by their by their initial reaction. Is your initial reaction why or is your initial reaction why me? Mm. You can't have a self-awareness journey if your initial reaction is, oh, why me? Oh, that's <laughs> so interesting. Mm -hmm. If you're down that path... Well, you're going to spend your whole life kind of looking at all sorts of things that are not going to allow you to open up to a why versus why me. Mm -hmm. That's and very it, insightful, Kevin. I, I will say I'm not always the most optimistic guy. I'm not, you know, I don't jump out of bed singing like my wife does or you, <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> But I can tell you that, that what I learned about getting diagnosed is I checked into the hospital on Friday. I was getting chemotherapy by 11 o'clock. And by 1230 or by early afternoon, I couldn't stand being in the oncology ward. And so I took my chemotherapy and I went up and I sat in the maternity ward because babies are happy. Everybody up there is happy. And so I learned I may not be the most happy guy every day, but damn it, at the core of me, I am happy. I yeah, am optimistic. I mean, certainly optimistic yeah. and forward thinking. Yeah. And so I, literally I sat up there for four hours getting my chemotherapy because I just didn't want to be down in the negative energy of people struggling yeah. and or dying from cancer. I totally get it. And so the whole vibe, the whole awareness at the hospital was, okay, I'm gonna, I'm getting out of here. I'm not sitting in my room. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you said a couple of things that are uh, that we talk about in in the self awareness journey roadmap. There's two parts of it. There's personal focus, which is these like self referencing thoughts all the time, and that's you know you flipped that right around from a from uh, that why me, and then your environment, right? How much our environment impacts how we yeah. feel. And you change that too. In in a situation where I'd imagine most of us would not have that kind of insight, 
right? That's really amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I suppose, I, you know, I didn't think about it at the time. I just couldn't sit there. <laughs> you know? yeah. I was like, well, I, this yeah. is just negative. This is but bad you're, karma. You're intuitively <laughs> taking care of yourself in a way that you didn't even recognize that you necessarily were. It was just an intuitive right. thing. Right. So you've said, uh, when we talked earlier, you said something that I thought was pretty, pretty amazing. We, you talked about how you, you've had this big life event, but you don't want to be defined by it. Right. right? And you talked about how a lot of times when people have things like cancer, the cancer basically defines them for the rest of their life. And you don't like that positioning, right? You don't want that to be the definition of Kevin. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? As we talked about a little bit, to me, I want to recover from cancer and to stay in the middle of it, to me, goes back to staying in the middle of why me? What positive things did I take out of cancer? You know, what good things can I take out of that? And then I'm happy to share that forward, but I don't want to share getting stuck there. I don't want to share, you know, go back to having support groups and helping others in that way that if I was truly helping them, I'd feel good about that. But too many times I was running into, yeah, there's a support creep with six or eight people in it and seven are still in why me. They can't get out of the why me. And they can't find a deeper meaning of life to say, I'm okay with this. There's a purpose reason that I have this cancer, that it's either going to take my life or I need to learn something from it and move on. And and for me, luckily, whatever, I, I, I knew when I was diagnosed, I was sick at my core. I mean, my mother died of cancer when I was 14 months old. I don't know that I ever really totally got over that. My dad died of cancer three years before I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. I was in a not the greatest marriage when I was diagnosed. I was sick at my core. Hmm. We talk a lot about that in the the self-awareness journey. We talk a lot about how things are in alignment, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically. When our bodies are in alignment, we have higher awareness and we are generally more healthy. But when we continually have something that's off, um, how that those emotional, those little emotional traumas turn into bigger emotional traumas and unchecked, um, I think that that's oftentimes where we do see illnesses appearing physically because of emotional yep. and mental illness that is unchecked or we, because we've been conditioned, I think, to, um, uh, we've been conditioned to ignore our feelings when they aren't favorable. We've been conditioned yeah. to gloss over so many things. Um, and, and I think that you're speaking right to that in such a profound way. Yeah. Uh, back to the initial question. Well, how did you forget about work or what was the impact on work? I just thought it was a wake up call. I got to work on me. Forget about work. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I didn't even see my cancer wasn't leukemia. My cancer was everything else that wasn't right in my life. And I knew that the second I was diagnosed. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. That's really interesting perspective, Kevin. Let me ask you another, uh, so you're 
now many years out, right? Yeah. Like you're, um, do you still, are you still worried that like it might come back, cancer might come back, you know, or you might fall into another big life event? I mean, that seems like it could be on your mind. Do you like, do you have anxiety about that or how do you, how do you deal with that? Short answer is yes. How often is less over time? Mm. I, there's certain time I've got post-traumatic stress from it. You know, obviously that gets better over time, but to give you a sense for it, I was diagnosed in August. I had my bone marrow transplant in August. I had both of my hips, each different one replaced in August from the treatments, all in different years. I split up from my wife at the end of August. Let's just say August is not a great time of year for me. Yeah. And uh, even today, like like just as a calendar years roll on, that that season yeah. makes you anxious. Yeah. Makes yeah, me wow. classic post-traumatic stress, not severe, but I, I want to be alone. I don't want to mm -hmm. deal with hard things. I just feel overwhelmed. As I would describe it to, to other people, it's like I'm going through an earthquake. The world is shaking around me. And I just want stability. Mm. And, I mean, and such a great way of describing things. I know, you do. You have such a great <laughs> so amazing. vernacular. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I've had a lot of time to think about it. <laughs> well, this has been super interesting, Kevin. I thank you so much for coming and sharing your story and being open with us. And um, there's a lot of really good insight that we've talked about today. I, and I would, I would just like to ask one final question on my side. Um, I agree, JJ. It's been such a um, such an impactful conversation, and we so appreciate you willing to have it with us. It's just oh. um, it's um, it's been great. I I wonder if you had you knew you were coming on the pod and that we would be talking about this. Is there anything that you wish we would have asked you that we didn't, or any lasting parting uh, perspective you'd like to leave? No, I mean, I, I actually appreciate having the opportunity to tell some of the story because it's, I think there's something in it that can help somebody else, but I can't put it into words. I, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I probably have 25 other stories that I think could help those that are more about why than why me. And, and, I don't want to give up on the people that are more why me, but the why me people, it's just so much harder to get them to pay attention. There's so much out there that you can do, that you can yeah. make an impact on, that you can, I guess, make a difference, you know, just make a difference in how you look at things. And yeah. so yeah, having a platform to, to do that is I very happy to have it, very happy to have it. Well, so, a whole nother podcast in the future will be, how do you get your art out into the world? 
<laughs> yeah, but we don't right. have time for that today. <laughs> My wife and I just started painting, and, and it's ugly, but I'm not sure it's ready for the world yet. <laughs> Let's just be honest. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Well, I think sometimes um, sometimes when we can't put into words our own perspectives, our stories and our energies are clearly telling the story itself. And yeah. I would say that that's the case with you is we don't have to have words. You don't have to have a well-crafted uh, chapter version of a book. You, Your emotions and your thoughts came through loud and clear. So thank you. Yeah. No, thank you. We hope that you've enjoyed today's episode. Our mission is to help people become happier and more effective by gaining insight into their own thoughts and feelings. We'd love your support. First, share this podcast with anyone you think might enjoy it. Second, leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast site. This helps others discover the podcast so we can reach more people. And third, sign up for our newsletter at theselfawarenessjourney.com. This will help us communicate better with you and build our community. Thank you so much for joining us in the self-awareness journey. We'll see you next week.